Welcome into Fitness Fanatics on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Now here are your hosts, Jeff and Nicole Essig. All right, welcome back in for hour number two of the Fitness Fanatics. We are super pumped for our guest that's going to be with us for the next hour, mm-hmm. Mr. Jordan Syatt. How are you this morning? I'm good. I'm good. How are you two doing? Oh my gosh, this is like we're. I'm just like <laughs> starstruck right now that you're on with us. This is so cool. Be cool. We have your book here um, that we've oh, been diving go. into. Yes, and we're very very excited. Um, well, welcome yeah. to the show. We are in Lincoln, Nebraska, and you are where at in Texas? I'm in Dallas, okay. Dallas, Texas. Okay, we were just talking about Dallas-San Francisco playoff game coming up today to end the last hour. Now, are you a Dallas fan? Or are you just, you know, you're just planted there? Yeah, Bro, I, I'm just planted here. I... <laughs> I literally don't even know what sport you're talking about. <laughs> yes, you do. You went to a Cowboys game. I just listened to your podcast today. I, you went to a I, Dallas I, game with Susan. So I took Susan there, but I didn't know that it was the playoffs. I had no. <laughs> I'm like, so I'm, I'm. I was born and raised in New England, so I'm like, uh, I'm a Patriots fan, and all, all by Boston proxy, teams yeah. just by proxy. But like. Yeah. I couldn't name a single player on the team. For me, like my favorite, I, I love mixed martial arts. So mm-hmm. like last night I was up watching the fights, but like when it comes to like football, basketball, like I don't, I know all the rules, but I don't know like any teams or yeah. stats or any of that. Well, your life is less stressful than ours is because that's <laughs> all sports does is give us stress, especially here in Nebraska. Yeah. Yep. Yep. All right. Well, we're going to let you talk a yeah. lot over this next hour. People hear us talk every week. Um, so we have a couple subjects we want to get get um, involved with and involved with. And we already about. kind of introduced you before because we knew we didn't yes. have a lot of time. Yes. So we already told everyone how they can find you and stuff on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, podcast. So we kind of gave you a little bit of an intro coming in. Yes. So the first subject um, that we wanted to talk about is as I love it when I get on Twitter and I see people ask you a question <laughs> and then you say, here's my response. Yeah. I love it. So the first question that we'd like for you to talk to all of our listeners about would be, <clears throat> says someone just asked me, I want to exercise and eat better, but I'm just not motivated. What should uh, I do? I hate that word. Yeah. It's, um, <laughs> There's a lot to unpack here. Mm-hmm. I really, I think a lot of people have this misconception that they're just going to get motivated, that like it's just going to happen. And occasionally it will, very occasionally, like usually after you've been a lazy bum for a long time, like there will be moments in which you'll be like, all right, I'm motivated, I'm going to do it. And you come up with this grandiose plan where you're going to work out seven days a week and you're going to eat perfectly and you're never going to have a carb again and da 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 da. And then, like, of course, that fizzles out very, very, very quickly. And then in their mind, they think, so I have to get that moment over and over and over again. I have to get motivated like that over and over and over again and never lose that motivation. Mm-hmm. Motivation is an emotion, just like happiness is an emotion or anger is an emotion or sadness is an emotion. No one in their right mind would ever say, oh, I should just be happy all the time or like I'm going to be sad all the time. It's, it's emotions come and go as the day progresses and for many different reasons outside of our control. So the reality is you can't 
decide to be motivated all the time. It's we have to figure out, okay, well, what can you do to get motivated? And that like right there is the crux of it. Like, what can you do? You have to do something in order to get motivated. So a lot of the, there's, there's a, a loop that people think motivation runs in. They think first you start with getting motivated from that motivation. Then you take action from that action, you get results. And then from those results, you get more motivated. That's not how it works. How it actually works is first you have to take action. Action is the first step in the loop from that action. Then you get results. And from those results, then you get more motivated to take more action. So the unfortunate truth is, and I would way rather have a pill to take that would get me motivated. I would way yeah. rather that mm-hmm. that'd be far. I, I would be the first in line to buy it. But the unfortunate truth is you need to take action first. So if you want to get motivated first, you have to do something even and especially when you don't want to do it, mm-hmm. then you're going to get a result. And then from those results, you get, you get motivated to take more action. The good news is the action doesn't have to be drastic. And I think this is where a lot of people mess up. They think, oh my God, I've got to take action. Okay. So that means I have to work out for three hours. No, 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 no. That's not what it has to be. Mm-hmm. It's like, it can be as little as like starting your day off with water or, or taking a five minute walk. Uh, the reason I love the five minute walk example is because if you decide, Hey, I'm going to take a five minute walk first and foremost, let's say it actually is just a five minute walk. There's actual a physiological response to that like the five minutes of walking people massively underestimate what's going on on a cellular level on like an actual physiological level in terms of it never mind like the endorphin side of it but there's there's so many things happening that actually make that worth it that will cause you to feel better more proud of yourself and then what happens after that very few people only make it five minutes then they'll extend it to seven or to 10 or 50. And, and usually like they're not just walking around the apartment looking at their, their watch. Like, all right, I'll go on a five minute walk. We'll go around the block. By the time they're around the block, it's been 10 minutes. Like, you know what? I'll go for another round around the block. Cool. So now you've just made a 20 minute walk. It wasn't as difficult as you thought it'd be. You're proud of yourself. You're glad you did that. These are the results. And then you get more motivated from those results to take more action and do it again and again and again. It's these small little things that you can do to boost your motivation every single day that odds are you're like, you're not going to want to do them. Like, I don't really remember the last time I really wanted to work out, Mm -hmm. but it's something that you force yourself to do sometimes. And you're always proud of yourself when you do. Well, and I think just you talking about that makes me think of, um, cause I always talk about how like being, having dedication to really what you're talking about is, um, creating a momentum, that is going to mode be motivating. So like you said, even if you know that you can only get a five minute walk in today, well, today's five minute walk creates momentum for tomorrow when you know you have more time, but you're not saying your head, well, I already messed up. I didn't do anything yesterday, but you're, you know, in your mind, but I did, I did do something yesterday. So you're creating momentum, which I think is so much more important than motivation. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. And, well, and I also think that I know there's been a big push like towards hating on motivation. And it's again, for me, it's like hating on any emotion. Yeah, it's it like, gets people started. I hope somebody's motivated by today, yeah. this conversation. We want people exactly. to get started. You just can't rely on it. That's the key. Yeah. You cannot, you can never rely on it because it's not going to be there all the time. Yeah, so it's that friend that like you want to, you know, you're going to have a good time when you go out with them every time. You know what I mean? But you're also not going to go to them to get your taxes done. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's, like, it's like that, that really flaky friend that like, 
it says it's going to be there, but then they don't show up and like, you can't really rely on them. Like, you're not going to like, that's not the friend you're going to call if you go to jail one night and like, you need to get bailed out. Right. Like, that's, you're not calling that, but they might flake on you. It's like, you, you need to call the friend that you can rely on. Yeah. And that's a hundred percent discipline yeah. every time. Yep. Yeah. So one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, because, you know, we own a gym, we own two gyms here in Lincoln. And, um, nice. so we did. Thanks. Amazing. Yeah. So we, oh, I was going to tell you too, because. For those of you that don't know, Jordan's dream is to open a gym someday, but make it completely free to everybody, which is great. But I'm going to tell you right now, it's exhausting. So just (laughs) I'm coming to you from the future. Super rewarding, but it's exhausting. But no, we love it. We love it. So um, but we see this with our members a ton. And I know this is something you can relate to. So I wanted to have get your perspective on it. So uh, just having followed you, I know within the last, I don't know, year, year and a half, you have uh, gotten engaged, you've gotten married, you've moved to a different city, you have a baby now, like all of these life changes, just you have just you're on a like roll, boom, 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 all this stuff. What do you do? What are your tips to continue to keep that consistency, that momentum going for yourself? Because as gym owners, we've seen people, this happens all the time people get a new puppy mm-hmm. and we don't see them for weeks and weeks and weeks in the gym. Because the puppy <laughs> needs to be walked right. in the morning. <laughs> Which is fine, but it, yeah, like literally, keeps them up at night. Yeah. I <laughs> can know. think of five people that got puppies <laughs> right. that just did not come for months. You just don't see them, yes. you know, and we all have changes. When, you know, you'll see this with your daughter, you know, every year, you know, it, there'll be summer, but then school starts. You have a new routine that has to go with with school starting and how do you how have you balanced that in just you know in spite of all of your changes that you've gone kind of through in the last year year and a half yeah so i mean i'll start by saying i I have to be fair right And, and the fairness comes in i think that for me it's a little bit easier and the reason is because this is my career Mm -hmm. and i can't just like stop doing it because like it's it's my career and people expect it and i post about it so well you could get a different job (laughs) i could i I would rather not no Uh, us either (laughs) i do think on i have to i have to like objectively recognize that with that being said it doesn't justify just stopping your entire fitness routine just because you get a puppy or because you have life changes um i think the going back to sort of the the discipline aspect but also just like i plan to have fitness a part of my life every day. Like it's in my schedule. It's in my calendar every day. It's like, all right, like this is when I'm going to be, you know, this is my workout time. So, and that will change based on the season of life that I'm in. So for example, I don't like working out at night, but ever since my daughter was born, that's the only time I can work out. And also the deal that my wife and I made is like, listen, she, my, my daughter needs my wife more than she needs me. Like she like, bi- like biologically, physiologically needs my wife. She doesn't need me. I'm just some dude. So um, my wife, she she needs to go to bed a little bit earlier and I'm totally fine staying up a little bit later. So I made my workouts at like 10 p.m. So that like if my daughter's up or we're doing a night feeding, like I can be up for her at 1 or 2 a.m. That was a sacrifice that I was more than happy and willing to make based on the situation. But all that means is, I've got to work out when I really do not want to work out right now, which is around 10 p.m. Um, 
which I'm not taking pre-workout then because then I'll be up like <laughs> right, all right. right? Yeah. Uh, and and so the workouts are not the best, but it's like, hey, this is this is when I've got to get it done. Mm-hmm. So it's one of those things where it's like you you have to make the decision. And, and I, I very much believe anxiety comes from ambiguity in so many situations where like when you don't really have a plan, you don't know what you're doing. So then everything just falls apart. You need to make a plan and having it in your calendar is, is the, I think one of the most important things you can do. So, and not just in your calendar, but like knowing you're going to stick to it. Right. (laughs) This is non-negotiable. It's like brushing your teeth is hopefully a non-negotiable. Like it's, you need to do it. And I have it in my calendar seven days a week. And for, I know a lot of like, you shouldn't work out hard seven days a week. Yeah. But putting something in your calendar so it's there, like that time is blocked off for your fitness, I think is one of the best things I've ever done. Because it's like, no matter what's going on, like my assistant can't book anything during that time. My wife knows that's my time. Uh, My wife has her own time. My wife usually prefers to do it around like 2 or 3 p.m. in the afternoon. So like in our calendar, like that's her time. No one can get in the way of that. Like that is her fitness time. So I think having that is one of the best things you can do when, whether you have a new puppy, whether you have a kid, but whatever it is, like you have to block out your time and odds are it's not going to be during a time that is convenient, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, it's not going to be, it's usually going to be during the time that, oh, you could either be like in your bed or on your couch <laughs> and relaxing. It's like, you've got to give that time up. Get, give like an hour of that time up to make sure you can get it done. And so, I mean, let, 10 times out of 10, I would rather be in my bed, sheet pulled up, watching Netflix or getting an extra hour of sleep than doing that. But like, you know, you got to do shit you don't want to do. Right. So that's it. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yep. Well, I just swear on the radio. No, but it's okay. Rico, oh. Rico dumped it real fast. So I think we'll be okay. <laughs> I forgot to warn Rico that you, we might have to do that, but I think we'll be okay. I can't believe that was the first swear. He's gonna, yeah, he's gonna pipe in here. Yeah, it's it's fine. We're fine. Everything's fine. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. But yeah, no. But that's really important because I think people think that just because, like with us, we kind of run like. Um, like our members start with like a 10 week challenge and then they become maintenance members. But people think that if they just sign up for something like you have your inner circle, people think that just buying a program works. It's going to make everything fall magically into place. But you just, you're never accidentally going to hit your health and fitness goals. Like I'm never going to accidentally eat vegetables with every single meal, or I'm never going to accidentally find myself at the gym, you know? So I think that's the more people we can hear have say that the better, you know, it just takes a long time. Some of us are slow learners. I think (laughs) we just need to hear lots of people say you need to take that time for yourself. it's, you bring up amazing points. Uh, you're you're hundred percent right. Another aspect is like everything, like whether it's the dentist or the personal trainer or whoever it is. It's like, eh, it's just five minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, an hour a day, whatever it is. It's like all of the advice that we're getting, it adds up. So it's like, well, we can't do everything every single day. Mm-hmm. So what you've really got to do is you've got to prioritize what's the most important for your life. Yeah. Like what is the most important things that's going to have the most drastic effect on your life? And the cool part about fitness is like, this is going to have, like, this is priority number one. Right. Like, this is priority number one. Like, I would say above reading, 
above like like above so many other things that you could add into your life. I'll give you actually an example. So um, I signed up for uh, Hebrew classes because I like I lived in Israel for years and I, I speak like okay, but I really wanted to like be able to have deep conversations about like random like surgery. Like I want to have real conversations in Hebrew. Um, so I signed up for these classes that were online every morning at like 7 a.m. And I did it for like the first half of the semester and I just completely fell off. Mm-hmm. Just like a lot of people do you in mean the gym. You failed at something? You I just failed. make it look so easy. <laughs> I, I failed. Right. And I stopped doing the classes and the, the teacher was messaging me, hey, where are you? Hey, where are you? And I felt like a lot of people fail with, with their fitness where it's mm-hmm. like, oh, the coach is reaching out and you feel like a failure. You don't want to disappoint them. You ghost but them. It was for me. It was like, uh, yeah, ghost. Well, I, yeah. I didn't ghost him because I know how bad that feels. Yeah. But I let him know what's going on. We get but that like, a lot. I, uh, I basically, I just, I was just like, hey, this here's the deal. I'm working out at like 10 p.m. because I have a brand new daughter. All this stuff. It's just like this is, in in terms of order of importance, being able to go from like conversational Hebrew to like super high level Hebrew is not m- anywhere near my top level of importance right now. So I paid this money. I'm considering it lost. Mm-hmm. It is what it is. Like it's done. But like I wasn't willing to put the Hebrew lessons over my fitness because fitness is it. It should. I think it should always be number one. Like I. I think that has to be number one. A number one priority because without that, without your health, you have literally nothing. Yeah, that's one of the things Jeff says a lot about. Huh. Oh, okay. No, it's okay no, that I say no, it. Yeah, yeah, Jeff sorry. says this a lot, you know, like, because we've been in positions where our health was really what led us to fitness, Jeff especially. And he says, you know, like, heart disease, diabetes doesn't care. Like, heart disease doesn't care that you have a Hebrew class at seven o'clock in the morning, <laughs> you know, Correct. so your time True. is better spent investing in your health. So then this was actually, I mean, let's be honest. That was a, this right now is a horrible time for you to be planning on adding something more into your day that requires brain power. Like this is a great thing for you to do once your daughter is a teenager and she's in her room all day long. She's not talking to you. You're like, well, I might as well go back to those Hebrew classes (laughs) because we've come to you from the future. We have a 19 year old and a 16 year old at home. So um, we know. So, like, in reality, it wasn't a great time. The timing wasn't right for you, you know, and you weren't really, that's great that you were able to see that that was not a sacrifice you were willing to make. And that doesn't mean you're not going to come back to it. You're not going to succeed at some point. You're not going to beat yourself up about it, you know, but yeah, I think that's an important message. Even if I fail forever, even if I never reach that level, I would, that's a trade-off I'm willing to make to live longer and be happier and healthier, like. I can always, I would rather stutter through my Hebrew mm-hmm. than not, than not be alive to even try. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. Like that's, that's really what it boils down to. Well, and I think people can apply that to fitness too. I know a lot of people always ask, um, you know, oh, well, if I only have 10 minutes, is it even worth it to do something in 10 minutes, you know, but it all adds up. And I think that's oh the thing. God. Sometimes you can we have people who sign up for our program and it's Rico, our producer is a perfect example. His wife had a baby right in the middle, probably right in the middle of his 10 week session, you know, and it just wasn't something that worked for him, but now he's back in the gym. You know, he, he's, it's not, you just have to find ways. If you can fit 10 minutes in, that's going to be better than nothing. And then if, once you get 10 minutes into your day, try to add it by five minute increments. And before you know it, you have that whole hour carved out, but you know, we don't, we sat, we, 
we're hard on ourselves about the things that we can't control and we're really easy on, on ourselves about the things that we can. And I think that's where people fail. True. And you know, the 10 minute conversation is a really interesting one to me because like all throughout history, it's a, the, the hour long workout is a very new thing. Mm -hmm. If you really think about it, like why, why do we have an hour long workouts? Well, because our lifestyles now are like, we're not nearly as active as we are, as we're made to be. Like we're like our ancestors were not sitting down at their computer for hours and hours and hours every day. Like they were moving yep. men and women, like hunting and gathering and building it. It's like, it was a, a movement throughout the day type thing. And if we look at the longest living populations, even now, it's not the CrossFitters. It's not the power lifters. It's not the Olympic lifters. It's the people who like, and we could look at all aspects of their life, but they walk the most. Mm -hmm. They walk. On a, and, and like we could look at, I think like the, the num number one longest living population is uh, Japan. But like I think like number four is like Sweden. It's like their diets are completely different, mm -hmm. completely different. The common denominator is movement and walking consistently throughout the day. So it's like, yeah, 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there, 10 minutes here. Like that's actually what we're made to be doing. Like that's 100%. Like you don't need to be having crazy intense workouts and all that. But if you could find time to move, mm -hmm. that is without question the most important. Now, strength training, if you can get it on top of that, amazing. I, that's, that'll only benefit you longer, especially especially as you get older and you have so many issues that come along with it, the uh, lack of strength and, and muscle loss as you get older. But to move every day. Mm -hmm. 10 minutes here, 10 minutes there. It's like, it's, I think it's the most important thing we can do. All right. Well, we're going to take a break. When we yep. come back, the next subject I want to hit on is this is like, since we're in January, people have new year's resolutions. They start two weeks, unrealistic expectations. This isn't working. I'm quitting. So that the question that you had posted was what is your number one, most important lesson for someone beginning their fitness journey? That's what we're going to talk about next with Jordan Syatt. So stay right with us on 93.7 The Ticket. Now back to Fitness Fanatics on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. All right. Welcome back into the Fitness Fanatics. We are joined by Jordan Syatt. Um, Nicole is wanting to know, Jordan, if you consider yourself like, what do you consider yourself an influencer? Like, I don't really know much about influencers. I'm just not that in that world, in that world. Um, so that's kind of what she was wondering. Like, wait, what do you consider yourself? Do you consider yourself an influencer or what? No, no I know. I'm I, just a short... I know I said that, no. but I know you're kind of anti-influencer, Okay, but okay. you are an influencer. No, I'm not anti i just like i think it's an obnoxious word at yeah. this at this stage in in modern history like i say like, it's obnoxious um and i i see a lot of young people saying they want to be influencers i'm like it's, it's like the, the now how for a long time everyone wanted to be a motivational speaker mm -hmm. right and now people want to be influencers i'm like why don't you just do what you get really good at something and do that yeah and then like you will ideally positively impact people so that they can get better at it too. Right. I don't know. I think the, when people say they want to be an influencer, what they're really saying is they want a lot of followers who can stroke their ego. That's right. really what they're saying. Right. Sort of in the same way when someone says, I want to, I want to give you value. What they're really saying is I want to give you information that you'll like, so you'll pay me more money later on. That's really what they're saying. Mm -hmm. So it's like, uh, 
I'm just a short, bald, nerdy Jewish personal trainer. That's what I am. (laughs) (laughs) All right. We'll put that in the bio. We'll put that in the bio bio for the class or for the show. (laughs) Someone was messaging me yesterday, the day before. Uh, She was like, she was being really obnoxious. And basically I was like, I was letting her know she was being obnoxious. And she was like, well, listen, I didn't sign up to be an influencer. You did. I was like, I had zero followers, but I, I didn't like fill out an application and say, give me hundreds of thousands of followers, please. Right. Like, yeah. was, I started with zero when I was posting content. And then after like 10 years, people started to follow me. It's like, <laughs> what are you talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Yep. No, that's true. It's hard to kind of, you are an influencer, that, but that doesn't mean you're calling yourself an influencer. There's a difference, Correct. I think. There's it's a like, difference. It's sort of like, um, it's like the identity thing. Like, for example... I don't like it when I see a lot of fitness, like personal trainers calling themselves entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Like by definition, maybe you are, but like, I think it's gotten to a point where they're like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur. And then they're losing sight of why they became a personal trainer in the first place. Yeah. When that becomes their identity, it's like, okay, so now you're going to charge people more than you need to. And you're going to try and run all these schemes just to try and like feel good about yourself because this identity as an entrepreneur, it's like... Maybe technically I'm an entrepreneur, but like, no, I'm still a personal trainer. Yeah. Like that's, that's what I am. Yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? Yes. hundred percent. Cause that's us. I would well, call ourselves small business owners before I would call ourselves entrepreneurs. Yeah, but, 100%. Yeah. That's exactly right. Right. Yes. <laughs> All right. So well, let's get into this next subject. Yeah. Um, and this is something this is a shorter that, segment. This too, is something that we fight against at, at Farrell's is we're in a, biggest loser society right where the biggest loser was the craze and you see people jump on a scale and they lose 50 pounds in two weeks and and so when we have people start our 10-week challenge you know after a week they they're like i gained weight or this isn't working or like or Mm -hmm. we, we were talking about how like january Thirteenth, nineteenth, January nineteenth. Quitters Day, according quit- to Strava. <laughs> Quitters yeah, Day, right? Right. So, as I was statistically, re- people yes. who start New Year's resolutions, Strava sees around the nineteenth a drastic drop off of people tracking their workouts after the nineteenth. Right. Yeah. And, and we're getting into week three mm-hmm. of our ten week challenge. So. Um, for those listening out there, if, you, if you're hopefully they're supposed to be listening, <laughs> our, week our members, our, yeah. our members, <laughs> um, week three is what, when we always see kind of that, like, okay, now instead of six days, I'm down to five days or I'm down to four or stuff starts coming up. So I really love that thread you had talked about, about having realistic expectations and what you can do in five years versus two weeks. And so if you could mm-hmm. kind of expand on that. A little bit about expectations of starting not just ferals but any journey when it comes to health and fitness yeah uh, so there's a lot to discuss i'll start by saying so i used to do uh eight and 12 week challenges as well Mm -hmm. i stopped doing those uh and i moved to four week challenges for this reason Mm -hmm. or this exact where it was like i if i was doing an eight week challenge and it got to week three that's when i noticed a, a big drop off but if I did a four-week challenge, by the time week three comes, the light's at the end of the tunnel. So they're like, all right, you know what? Like, I'm just going to push through this one more week. 
But then what we'll do is like, then I would say at the end, like by the time like week two or week three starts, I start saying, hey, we're going to have another challenge after this. Mm-hmm. So it's essentially, it turns into a 12 week challenge, but it's, it's pushed as, as like three separate four week ones. We kind of do people, that too. They have five week testing coming up at five weeks. We do like a benchmarking. Yeah. yeah so we do this Smart. similar. Yeah. Kind of similar it's thing. Just, it is like after about three weeks, like it's difficult. Like mm-hmm. the three week mark is where people drop off. So. I mean, the the post that I know that you saw that that got a, a pretty good response was just about, listen, it's going to take longer than you want. It's going to be harder than you want. You're going to make mistakes along the way. It's not going to go as fast as you'd like it to go. This is all normal. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, and this is literally everything in life, everything. But like when it comes to fitness, um, people have these these completely unfoundedly unrealistic expectations. And the word that I hear thrown around all the time is should. I should be losing more than this. I should have lost more than that. I'm like, where where did you I'm doing my best not to swear right I know, now. I can tell. <laughs> like, I appreciate where, it. Like, where did you get this idea that you should have lost more? Or the other the other word is only. I've only lost two pounds. Mm-hmm. It's like you only lost two pounds in the first two weeks. What is wrong with you? Yeah, it's like, that's right. amazing. Yeah. That's, in, that's an incredible rate of progress. What in what caused you to think that this is an only situation or you should have lost more? And that is really where, and people end up, you know, comparing themselves to other people and the challenges or, mm-hmm. you know, like the biggest loser looking, well, that person lost 12 pounds in the first two days. It's like, yeah, well, that person was taking diuretics and that person was dehydrating themselves in order to do that way. And that person was also working out for 12 hours a day and they mm-hmm. completely starved themselves, but they didn't show you any of that on TV because they don't want to get sued and they don't want, they don't want to show you the truth of it. And five, so like, 10 years later, they're back right where they started. That, that statistically that is the, biggest loser. That's losers. the truth about the biggest loser that yeah. they never want you to hear. It's right. like, and, and I've been in contact with a number of biggest loser contestants who've gained all the weight back and more. Yeah. I feel so bad for them because their their journey was broadcast on international television. Mm-hmm. And then it's like everyone, once they go home, the TV isn't on them anymore. They don't have like a, a kitchen locked, like with locks on the doors. Like they don't have, they have to make their own food choices. Now, like everyone at home is watching them gain all the weight back and they feel completely out of control. Mm-hmm. It's it's absolutely terrible. So the the thing that you have to remember is it's going to take longer than you want. It's going to be harder than you want. You're going to make mistakes along the way. None of that justifies quitting. The time the one, is going to pass anyway. Yeah. Right. The, the, the one common denominator that I've noticed among all the people that I've coached, I'm sure you two have seen this as well. The common denominator among the successful people is they just don't quit. Right. That's it. Yeah. They just, they don't quit. They're like, regardless of what life throws at them, regardless of what happens, regardless of whether or not they think it's going as fast as it should be, they just don't stop. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. literally, they just don't stop. They keep showing up and that's it. Keep showing up. Talk about your calories. Okay. So, yeah. So the, the other thing that, that we wanted to talk about really quick too was, cause I know on your, a lot of your stuff, you talk about, um, calorie deficit, which is, you know, scientifically, that's the science of weight loss is a calorie deficit. And you talk about the starvation mode that people say, you know, oh, I've, you know, I'm in starvation mode. That's why I can't lose weight. And you always talk about that, like, no, because, you know, then if that were the case, then, you know, prisoners would have gained weight or, you know what I mean? People in these horrible situations would have gained weight in that time. But I think part of what I think people need to hear a little bit more is why do they think 
that they are in a calorie deficit and why aren't they in a calorie deficit? So can you talk mm. about that a little bit? Because I think that's sometimes part is of what people are missing because you think, and I know we have a very similar kind of nutrition plan that goes with our program. And most of the time people are like, I cannot, there's no way I can eat, lose weight if I'm eating 1900 calories a day. Because <laughs> yes. every time I've dieted before, I eat 1200 calories or, and I still don't lose weight. Or, so. or they say... I can't, there's no way yeah. I can physically eat right. 1900 <laughs> calories. But right. if we went to the pizza buffet yeah. down the street, we would eat 2,500 calories in like five minutes. Yeah. Yep. So exactly. talk, talk about the other side of that. Yes. Why severe calorie restriction doesn't work for the normal everyday person. Why that isn't working. Severe calorie restriction doesn't work for anyone long term. It can work for anyone short term, mm -hmm. but nobody long term. Um, what happens is when you severely reduce your calories, you th most people their 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 mindset with weight loss is they want to reduce their calories as much as possible to lose weight as quickly as possible. Right. That's what they want to do. Yes. That is a terrible strategy long term. Say that again. It, it's what? What is it? It is terrible. <laughs> Terrible bleeping strategy long term. <laughs> I bleeped myself out. Thank you. Right? Yeah. A terrible strategy. It doesn't work. And you might think it doesn't work. And I can tell you actually, so I, I've been working with a lot of mixed martial arts fighters and jujitsu athletes and a, a lot of these very famous, very high level athletes who have to cut a lot of weight very quickly. You wouldn't believe how many of them have severe, severe disordered relationships with food. How like quickly they gain 20, 30, 40 pounds in between fights. And the only reason they're able to keep losing and gaining that is because their income is, is dependent on it. But like, that's not a life you want to live. Trust me, like the gut issues, the health issues, the, the fear around food, the anxiety, it's, it's awful. And these are professional fighters, people who like you'd be scared of if you saw them in the street, but like they have, they're scared of having a slice of pizza. They're scared of having cake. Like they have anxiety around it because they don't want to gain all this weight. Mm -hmm. Um, when you severely reduce your calories, there's only a certain amount of time you're going to be able to do that. For some people, it's a day. For some people, it's a week. For some people, it's a month. But sooner or later, it's going to, it's going to, there's going to be a backlash. And you're going to end up binging. And you're going to go in the complete opposite direction. And this is the yo-yo cycle we see so many people do where they gain it and they lose it. They gain it, they lose it. They gain it, they lose it. Because when they lose it, it's the person who says, well, anytime I lose weight, I have to eat 1,200 calories. Mm -hmm. No, that's not true. You don't have to eat 1,200 calories. You just like seeing the scale move faster, so you deliberately eat way fewer than you should, and then what, four weeks later, then you're just like, you can't handle it anymore, so then you go up to, you, you go the complete ops direction, gain all the weight back, and then you pet your piss, and you think that the only way that you lose weight is eating 1,200. It's like, no, that's not true. You could eat 1,900, lose weight far more slowly, but way more sustainably and enjoyably, mm -hmm. and that way you can keep it off for the rest of your life. The goal of fat loss is not to reduce calories as much as possible to lose weight as quickly as possible. It's to reduce calories as little as possible so you can lose weight as sustainably as possible. Right. That, and, and the crux of that issue is you have to then be okay understanding weight loss is going to be very slow, not nearly as fast as you want. But the positive of that is that you can enjoy your favorite foods guilt-free and eat more and actually God forbid, get full during your during your diet and you mm -hmm. can go out and enjoy yourself and have fun and not feel totally deprived and make amazing progress. Then the science is there. Like it's science. Yeah. <laughs> well, and we do. So at, usually when we do our five weeks, so we, we 
always give people a good amount of calories to eat 18. I mean, some of our members, we tell them to eat 26, 2700 calories, depending on their body composition. And so many times at our five week testing, people will get on the scale and they'll lose weight, but then the scale spits out how many pounds of fat have changed on your body. Mm -hmm. Right. And they have gained fat, lost weight, gained fat because of, eating way less calories than they should be. And instantly we know we don't even have to look at a food log. We know exactly how they're eating. Or they gain weight and they're disappointed, but then we can see that they have gained muscle and lost uh, body fat. Yes. Like, how do we break that relationship with the scale? And I know you, you, I know what your philosophy is that it's just data, but it's like, man, that, that pull that peep that that scale has on people is a tough one. That's probably one of our biggest competitors is the scale as a, as a gym owner, as a fitness, you know, influencer. Yeah. I, I had all of my clients stop using any scale that tells the, the amount of body fat for, for a lot of reasons. Number one is, as you know, like they can be very inaccurate. The body mm-hmm. fat actual measurement can be super, and it can be affected by hydration status sure. and yes. the other things as well. Um, mm-hmm. The scale, the scale is hard enough, never mind adding the body fat component. So I was like, do not ever look at the body fat. It's, it can really screw with people's heads. Um, the scale is very difficult, but that's, as you two know, that's why I, when I do a mini cut, I'll show my fluctuations every single day mm-hmm. so people see it, that it's normal and it happens. But if you're only, if you have a client who's only weighing themselves once a week or once every, I don't know, five weeks, whatever it is, it's like, they're only getting one data point. The way that I look at this is if you were if you were going to uh, invest in a company, let's let's say you've got a bunch of extra money, which would be super nice, right? You got a bunch of extra money and you have you have five companies come to you and they want you to invest in like you're you're on Shark Tank, like you're the investor, right? Which company are you more likely to invest in? The company that gives you one day of great sales or the company that gives you like 30 days of sales? You're gonna the one that gives you more data, the one that says, "Hey, this is what's happened. Here's the fluctuations. Here are the spikes. On this day, we had a huge spike. On this day, we had a lull." Da, da, da. Like you're going to invest in the company. You're going to give your money to the company that can give you the most amount of high quality data, not just one day. Mm-hmm. And so, when you invest all of your emotion into a single day on the scale, you're you're complete. You have a zero idea of what's actually happening. You're blind. You only have one data point. But when you look at it over the course of every single day for 30, 60, 90 days, cool. You can start, especially for women, this is important. Men as well, but even I think even more for women because of their menstrual cycle. It's like yeah. you, you can start to predict when your weight is going to spike, when your weight is going to drop, when you're going to be hungrier, when you're going to be more full, when you're going to feel stronger, when you're going to feel weaker often just based on tracking your weight because you can see these fluctuations and you start to become much more in tune with different times in the month, when you feel certain ways, how you feel certain ways, how you're performing, how your hunger is. It's like the more data you have, the better for basically everything. Any any big investment you want to make in your life, you want more data on it. It's like when, when parents are taking their kids out to, to figure out what college they want to go to, they do college visits. They don't just like look online. They they go to the school. They take a tour of the campus. They look around. This is all data collection. Yeah. They're collecting data around these schools. So they can decide, okay, where do we actually want to go? Where do we want to invest our money? 
Same thing with the scale. How can you possibly know it's working or how could you get mad at the scale when you only see one day of 30 days? You got to track it every single day so you can get a much better idea of what the scale is actually telling you. Yep. That's tough for people who, we'll talk about this right when we get back from a break because we have to go on a break. But I think that's tough sometimes when you haven't trusted the process enough yet. So we can talk about that when we get back to from break. We have our last segment here coming up. So let's go. We'll be right right back. Don't go anywhere. 93.7 The Ticket. Now back to Fitness Fanatics on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. All right. Welcome back in to the show here. Last segment with Jordan Syed. I wish we had like 20 hours. This is technically Jordan's chat. day off, so we really appreciate it. Oh, yes, you we so time. appreciate it. Yes, yeah. it's so awesome. Um, okay, so last segment's just going to be a few minutes, Nicole. You can yeah. take over where we left off with the scale. And yeah, the so I've, um, you know, we struggle with that sometimes with our members. And so a lot of times we, we recommend that people stay off the scale at first. Um, what do you think, if, if, what would you say to somebody who's already really struggling to kind of trust the process um, in the first place? And then they, you know, they go from eating 1200 calories to 1700 calories, 1600 calories um, and see that huge spike. Like how do you get people over that? And I'm sure at some point that's just not going to work for everybody. So that is a, there's a part of like knowing yourself, knowing if that's going to be a disordered process for you, separating yourself from the data. We've been doing it for a long time. It's easier to do. But like, how do you help people find that balance without just like screaming in their faces about it all the time? <laughs> Which we all yeah. want to do sometimes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I can promise you, as you know better, like screaming as much as I want to do it sometimes, <laughs> it, it the opposite effect. So it it's does. Not good. Oh, we would never. No. <laughs> uh, it really does depend on the person. I will, there are some people who I won't, will not have them weigh themselves. Mm-hmm. I think the goal is to get someone to be able to step on the scale and have essentially zero emotion attached, right. yes. attached to it. Yes. That's the goal. That's an advanced level goal, which is funny when you're like, that's advanced. Like mm-hmm. all you have to do is stand on the scale. But like that's an advanced level at, the, at this point. Like that's advanced to get to that level. So if I have someone who I'm going to increase their calories from 1,200 to 1,700, usually what I'll do is like for the first week, you're not going to weigh yourself mm-hmm. because that's when it's going to spike anyway. And it will come back down after that first week. So it's like, all right, I'll take that first week. Don't like the scale. We'll start next week on the scale. That's just in my mind. And I won't even explain that to them. Mm-hmm. I'll just like say, this is what we're going to do. Um, there, are, I've had, it's funny. I remember I had one client many, many years ago. She was amazing. Um, she knew all the stuff about the scale. She mm-hmm. knew that it was just a number. She knew all the stuff, but like, it's still like every time it spiked, she would freak out. Yeah. And I remember I, I had a, a real conversation with her. I was like, if you freak out one more time about, about the scale, then we are no longer weighing yourself ever again. Mm-hmm. Like this, this type of response is inappropriate. You know, it's inappropriate. This is, it's not helping you. It cannot happen again. And if it does happen again, then we're just not going to weigh ever. From that point on, she never, ever freaked out about the scale ever again. It was one of those, like, like just, like, serious moments where it was just, like, oh, wow. It's like, all right, I cannot – like, I have to take control. And I think this is something that a lot of people, they overlook. It's, like, you are in control. Like, you are. You have control yeah. over what's going on. So when you step on that scale, it's okay if you feel a little, like, kick in the gut. Like, maybe the scale spikes up for whatever reason. That's fine. Take control. 
logically run through the reasons in your head. Okay, cool. Like maybe it's about, about to be my period. Maybe I had a lot of carbs last night. Maybe I had a lot of sodium yesterday. Maybe I had a really heavy lift. Maybe I haven't pooped yet. All these other things, all these reasons why the scale might spike up, or maybe it's like, cool, I don't know why it spiked up, but it did. That does not justify quitting. It doesn't justify getting like just going off track. It doesn't justify binging today. All it means is keep going, keep showing up because like I heard on this awesome radio show, the people who succeed are the ones who don't quit. Like right. that's it. Mm-hmm. And when you make that your habit, when you make it a habit to just not quit, even if you get that kick in the gut, you will see the trend going the right way. You'll get right back on track. You'll you'll hit your nutrition. You'll hit your exercise. And eventually over time, you'll see that trend. What, what I think is really, really, really important for people to do is not compare your weight day to day. This is, I think, one of the most important things that you can understand about the weight. So- you don't compare June 1 to June 2. Mm-hmm. Right. You don't compare June 2 to June 3. You compare June 1 to July 1. Mm-hmm. You compare July 1 to August 1. August 1 to September 1. You compare June 2 to July 2. August 2 to, to September 2. You compare it month to month. If you're looking at like on Monday, June 1st and thinking on Tuesday, June 2nd, that it's going to all of a sudden drop, it might, but that's, that data is irrelevant. The data that you look at is this monthly trend over time. I think that's the takeaway for people. Just because you're looking at it every day does not mean you're, you know, that's not right. Yes. Yeah. I think that's huge. Look at it daily. Judge it monthly. Yeah. Oh, that's so hard. If if you judge it monthly, now you will actually be able to see the trend over time. And this is why when I would work with clients, I'd say for the first month, no complaining allowed. Yeah. Because we, we don't have enough data yet. Right. So like it's it's just all data collection the first month. Then after 30 or 31 days, that's when we can start comparing. Yeah. And that's when we can start saying, is this working or not? Yeah, I think that's huge. But well, thank you very much. We're we're done. We already told everyone how to find you on Instagram, Syat Fitness, YouTube, Twitter, podcast. So we cannot thank you enough for your time. Loved it. A lot of great information. Go ahead, Jeff. Oh, thank you. And I'll be hitting you up again, so don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Thank you very much, Jordan. We appreciate all your wisdom, insight, and keep doing what you're doing, which is help changing people's lives. Yes. Thank you. Thank you both so much. If you're ever in Dallas, let me know. And if I'm in Nebraska, I will definitely let you know. Oh, please do. Please do. Yes, please do. Thank you. All right. Thanks, Jordan. Yep. Bye. Bye. Bye.